Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 60 Minutes ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This segment of 60 Minutes on the Radio is brought to you by AMAC. Bucha, 20 miles from Kiev was a modern suburb of 37,000 with big-box stores and department blocks. But after the Russian invasion, 458 of its residents died, including 86 women and 9 children. They were my happiness, he told us. They were my everything. I wish I could bring everything back. This is the largest crop of offshore wind turbines in the world, in the open seas off northeast England. It is hypnotizing. More than 300 turbines spread across 335 square miles, designed to generate enough electricity to help power more than 2 million homes a day. In this uncertain economic moment, we had questions about how well it all works. Sixty Minutes is a primetime show, so we thought it was time for you to hear from Dion Primetime Sanders. What's up, man? A Hall of Fame NFL player and current college coaching sensation. Who they came to see? Us. I got to win in every facet of life. That's what winning is, and we—that's we, our natural odor. We don't even use cologne, baby. We are winning. We smell like winning around him. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. 
Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Sharon Alfonsi. I'm John Wertheim. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes. This weekend, Russia continued its campaign of airstrikes against Ukrainian cities, but on the battlefield, Russian troops fell back, revealing new horrors of the occupation. We first saw this in April, when Russia abandoned its assault on the capital, Kyiv. In a suburb called Bucha, we found a civilian massacre with a mass grave behind St. Andrew's Orthodox Church. The grave was filled with sand, humanity, and mystery. We wondered, who was buried there? What lives had they lived? We promised ourselves then that we would return to tell the stories of the lost souls of Bucha. At St. Andrew's Church, in the days before Orthodox Easter, 116 souls rose from the grave. The town of Bucha was excavating the trench to rebury each victim with respect and with their name. Photos of the dead were posted online, DNA was taken, and families grieved to learn the fate of the missing. Inside, St. Andrew's was illuminated by prayer, and last month we asked some of the families to join us there to introduce us to the ones they loved. My father, Victor, worked as a set designer for TV studios, Dmitro Kozyarovich told us. He identified his father and his mother, Nadia, from photos of the dead. She was very kind, and I feel her absence very much. Victor was 75, Nadia was 65. They were in their apartment, minding their own business. And I wonder if you know how they died. According to what our neighbors told us, there was a tank 120 yards away. Perhaps someone inside the tank just had the urge to shoot at something, so they chose this building. My mother died from the blast wave. My father died crushed by pieces of the brick wall. Mr. and Mrs. Kozyarovich, married 43 years, were found days later in their apartment. Atrocities like theirs were what we saw in April, the senseless slaughter of civilians. Bucha, 20 miles from Kyiv, was a modern suburb of 37,000 with big box stores and apartment blocks. But over 27 days in March, its people suffered a distinct kind of cruelty, the cruelty inflicted by soldiers facing defeat. 458 were killed, their forsaken bodies 
calling out to Sergei Kaplicheni, the Bucha city official in charge of burials. There were bodies just lying in the streets, he told us. We understood that they must be buried, but we didn't know how to go about it. The Russians had left them where they fell, on the street, at their own homes. Sergei Kaplicheni had to negotiate with the Russians for permission to gather them. We spoke with him and the men who worked with him, Sergei Machuk and Vladislav Minchenko. I imagine that a mass grave was the last thing that you wanted. Why was it necessary? There was no more room in the morgue. We were just placing bodies near the morgue because we had no idea what to do anymore. Sergey, where were you finding bodies around town and, and what kind of condition were they in? With a lot of the bodies, it was obvious it was the work of a sniper because they were shot in the head. Sergei Machuk told us some were riding their bicycle, some were bringing firewood in their car, loaded in their car. Remember, we picked up that man and woman? They had just loaded firewood into their car and were bringing it back to heat their home. They were shot. Was it possible for you to determine how these people had been killed? Vladislav Menchenko said, most often they shot people in the back. Those who were killed walking down the road, they were shot in the back. The people we gathered from the basements, they were all shot in the back. People were on their knees, blindfolded. Machuk added, the people who were tied up, they were tortured. They were shot first in a leg or arm, and then the finishing shot was to the head. The Russians were killing too many too fast. There was no electricity for refrigeration. A temporary mass grave was inevitable. Kaplicheni's only choice in the matter was to dig it in the shadow of God. None of them deserve to die this way, Minchenko told us. God sees everything. Because of the way they died, their deaths, these people will never be forgotten. Their names, their faces, let people remember and know that this was done by Russia. For what? For nothing. Most of those killed for nothing were men, but there were also 86 women and nine children. Some, hands tied, were executed. Elena Rubiailo's husband was discovered in the mass grave. He laid in the street for a week and a half until they picked him up and brought him to the mass grave. He'd been shot in the head, she told us. Volodymyr Rubiailo was 70. His body was found near a store where he shopped, but... Like nearly all of the bereaved, Elena has no idea why he was killed. This year would have been our 50th wedding anniversary, but he didn't quite live to see it. We loved each other very much. We had two children, two girls. Volodymyr retired from a forest management company. He stayed in Bucha to watch their home while Elena sheltered in her daughter's basement on the edge of town. 
There were 21 people in the basement, she told us. Nine children and 12 adults. We took the neighbors into the basement, too. One of our neighbors was shot March 4th. He walked out of his gate and he was killed. And a little further up that same street, a son was driving to his parents' home. He was 10 yards away, him and his girlfriend and a friend, and they were all shot in their car. That poor mother, dragging her own son in the door and burying all of them in the garden. Just horrible. What does Volodymyr's death tell us about this war? This war is terrible. These aren't humans. Could humans really do this? Just come in and kill people? A person just walking down the street? How? I don't know. This is a terrible war. I pray for our Ukraine every day, for our soldiers. My heart hurts every day when I hear and see this ruin, these rockets flying. So many children have died, so many women, young girls. My heart hurts. My heart really hurts. In Bucha, heartache is part of being. Father Andrew Halliban, the priest of St. Andrews, told us, Since the occupation, I've had to bury more than 200 people. And you have buried people who have no name. Out of the people whom I buried, 75 had not been identified. How do you say a funeral mass for someone who has no name? God knows each person's name. He does not distinguish people by whether they are living or dead. For him, everyone is alive. As Christians, we believe in resurrection after death. That's why for God, there is no difference. Of all the bereaved who met us at St. Andrews, none lost more than Oleksandr Chikmaryov. They were my happiness, he told us. They were my everything. I wish I could bring everything back. Chikmaryov and his wife Rita tried to flee the shelling of Bucha. In their car with their sons, nine-year-old Matvi and four-year-old Kilim, they came across a Russian armored vehicle. We stopped. Rita yelled for me to make a U-turn and drive back. I heard shots. I turned to the back seat and Rita shouted, I'm hit. Rita and my children were dead. I was in such shock I didn't notice that my leg was only hanging on by a piece of skin. I didn't even feel the pain. I got down behind the car, and then the car burst into flames. Oleksandr Chikmaryov was rescued by firemen and watched his family burn. 
He wanted us to see his family, so he led us on his artificial leg across the street from St. Andrews. Their home happened to be next to the makeshift cemetery where his family was first laid to rest. Remembering lives like these, lost to the Russian invasion, is the reason we returned to Bucha. What would you like the world to remember about them? For the world to remember, well, So much joy, such a thirst for life. Why did he have to die? For what? It doesn't make any sense. Why? It doesn't make any sense in any world to kill them. Why? What was he killed for? How can I go on living just to keep crying and keep breathing? What should I do? What else can I do? He's not here anymore. I cannot hug him. I cannot kiss him. I cannot do anything. They were the meaning of my life. How can I live with this? How? Just hold on and endure? To just endure? To fight everything inside of myself? What should I do next? I don't know how to live. I am so very sorry. Bucha is learning how to live again. In the fresh earth of the city cemetery, bodies from the mass grave have been laid to rest with dignity. But about 50 remain unidentified. This marker reads, here lies number 282. Remember forever. The city says it will work forever to replace each number with a name. The bereaved will know what lives were lost, but never the reason why. What Bucha's gravediggers thought as they buried their murdered neighbors. At 60MinutesOvertime.com <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This past August, President Biden signed a sweeping climate bill into law, making wind power a priority, specifically offshore wind power. The goal is to capture the force of the wind in the open seas and convert it to power 10 million American homes by 2030. We have a long way to go. There are only seven offshore wind turbines off the coast of the United States, compared to nearly 6,000 in Europe. Critics say they're expensive to build and maintain, unpredictable and ugly. We wanted to see for ourselves. So we went to the largest offshore wind farm in the world, along the northeast coast of England, to discover the power of Grimsby. 
As you fly 200 miles north of London, along the coast, you can see the town of Grimsby below. 55 miles east of her port. Morning, we are on our way to the Hornswood Park, so crew on board. You can't miss them. Elegant and a little eerie. White giants poking out of the North Sea like something out of a science fiction novel. Inbound to the Hornswood Wind Park with six BLB. This is the largest crop of offshore wind turbines in the world known as the Hornsey Wind Farm. It is hypnotizing. More than 300 turbines spread across 335 square miles, generate enough electricity to help power more than 2 million homes a day. <laughs> beautiful day. Yeah, beautiful day. To understand the power, size, and upkeep of this evolving technology, we geared up on land and traveled 90 minutes on the heaving North Sea with 24-year-old Bridie Salmon. Her job is to scale and service the turbines. My job, with the help of a little anti-nausea gum, was to simply hold down my lunch. This is choppy out here. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How are you feeling? I feel um, okay. <laughs> it's more important how do you feel. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, like I say, I'd like to think I've got my sea legs on. Yeah. So, uh... When your last name is Salmon, negotiating rough waters is sort of in your DNA. Bridie's great-grandfather worked on the Grimsby docks. Her dad owns this 100-year-old smoked fish shop in town. Bridie was bartending when she decided to apply to an apprentice program to be a turbine technician. She was one of seven people selected from a pool of 500. Should we have a look around here then, guys? Mm -hmm. The apprentice program combines classroom instruction... You've got a big drill bit on the bottom and it's, and it's spinning... ...with hands-on work at sea. But we soon learned that Mother Nature is a temperamental teacher. The weather here is ever-changing. Yeah, yeah, we're holding on for our dear lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I mean, it's the North Sea. It's, it's not something we can control, so every day is different, and it can change like that. So it's just part and parcel of the job. Um, anything to get these things turning. This is the environment for wind turbines. It's got to be windy. As we approached the turbines, we suddenly felt small. You don't get a sense of how large things are until you're right up under this. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, so at the very top of the nacelle, um, all the way to the top of the blades, is half the size of the Eiffel Tower, which is pretty massive. And, and because you've got nothing normal to compare it to, like a building, yeah. you just see these in the distance, and then you're here, and it's, yeah, they're pretty bloody huge. Translation, they're nearly 600 feet high with spinning fiberglass blades roughly the length of the world's largest passenger jet. Each blade weighs almost 30 tons. The turbines are partially assembled on shore, then shipped out to sea, where each blade is attached with surgical precision to the top of the turbine. Every angle has to be perfect to generate maximum power. Once installed, keeping them spinning is critical. Offshore wind engineers say one revolution can power one home in the UK for 24 hours. And that's where Bridie comes in. Yeah, it's raining. Yeah. It's windy. Yeah. Can't wait. There's <laughs> another day in the office. All right. In choppy waters, Captain Peter Broughton has to find the sweet spot, maintaining constant contact between the bow and base. Traffic cursing the wires. Some days the winds are so high and seas so rough the job can't be done. On this day, success. Right, I'll see you later. Okay, Bye. be careful. Bridie harnesses herself to a cable. Happy? Yeah, you. Yeah. Leaps to a ladder. 
and begins the climb rung by rung, eight stories to the top. On a narrow platform hanging over the North Sea, she makes her rounds. The lights are working. Carefully inspecting and servicing the turbine. A job not for the faint of heart. What was that like the first time you made that climb? Oh, exhausting. Exhausting, yeah, it was because you've got all your safety kit on as well, so you've probably got about 10 kilograms of harnesses and, and claws and you've got to be clipped in, so you've got that friction of climbing. I would imagine it would be kind of scary. Yeah, really scary. I remember there was one day, it was super windy, um, so we were up there and the top of the tower is moving. So you've got the seasickness, the motion sickness from the sea, and then the top of the tower is moving, so all day you're rocking. And it was cold and windy, and I remember coming back on shore and I was just rocking. I was like, I'm on land now, I don't need to rock but it's, yeah, it's pretty scary. Bench Sykes says those kinds of extraordinary efforts are needed in extraordinary times. Sykes is the vice president of Offshore Wind at Orsted, a Danish-based global energy supplier that runs the Hornsey Wind Farm. You know, we have a cost of energy crisis in Europe and, and in Britain at the moment. That's driven by the pandemic, but also, of course, by the terrible situation in Ukraine. Uh, and all of that adds up to a real drive to find clean, cheap energy solutions. About five years ago, Orsted decided to sell off its oil and gas business and focus on renewable energies. Grimsby, a depressed fishing town, became the unlikely backdrop to Europe's clean energy movement. Why here? Why Grimsby? It's got a good port. Uh, and it's geographically really well located, physically, in terms of the water depth, in terms of the wind resource, and of course, places to connect to the national grid so that we can get that power to homes and businesses. Long before Russia's invasion of Ukraine set off the energy crisis, the UK had a strategy to use 100% clean or renewable electricity by 2035. When you talk about clean energy, you talk about solar, hydropower, mm. biofuels. What makes offshore wind unique? Offshore wind is the really the only project in most countries where you can build it at the kind of power station scale that we need. If I think about the projects we're building here in the UK, that's almost three gigawatts and that's broadly speaking the output of a nuclear power station. So we're talking large-scale infrastructure projects. Most of Europe is too populated to fit very, very large wind farms or solar farms, so that's why we've gone offshore. One big criticism is costs. They're expensive mm -hmm. to construct, to transmit, and to decommission. Is that cost passed on to consumers? So that's simply wrong. Offshore wind power is one of the cheapest forms of electricity generation in the UK. We privately fund it together with investment partners that we bring in. Privately you fund that? Yeah. There's no public exposure to the costs of building offshore wind. And I think the thing that's made the most difference is the fact that we've had political consensus now for more than a decade. And that's given investors confidence to step in and, and put the big money on the table to get these projects away. Gas and nuclear still make up a majority of the power supply flowing into UK homes and businesses, but this year, 13% of Britain's energy has come from offshore wind. Only China produces more offshore wind power than the UK. Here's how it works. Wind turns the blades around a shaft inside the turbine, which spins a generator. Energy then travels down, going 300 feet beneath the water surface to cables buried under the seabed, connecting to an offshore substation 
then to a power station on land, where that electricity created out at sea is transferred into homes and businesses, inviting the question, what happens if the wind stops blowing? Using satellites and other technology, we can predict extremely accurately how much we're going to generate over the next days, which enables those who operate the grid to make very clear plans about where's demand going, where's supply going. I mean, if I look at the turbines that we've got out in Hornsey, they're operating 98, 99% of the time. This is Grimsby's second act. Through the 1950s to 1970, the town hosted the largest fishing fleet in the world, with 700 trawlers, a wash in cash, and a port fit for a visit from the Queen. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. The, the camaraderie, because you, you can say nearly 100% of the population would be associated with the fishing industry in some way. Dennis Avery and Bob Formby were part of the town's fishing tradition. What was it like? No, it's a tough job. It's work from sailing till you get back in the port again. Working in the winter around Iceland and them places was, was pretty severe. But um, it's the kind of job that I would do again tomorrow. In those days, you had two choices. You worked on the docks or you went to sea. Decker Navigator. Avery captained this hulking steel fishing trawler, the Ross Tiger, for eight years. If you caught a good trip and you're steaming home back to Grimsby, with a fish room full of fish, you know, it, it's a marvellous feeling. That marvellous feeling ended when Iceland, Britain's neighbour to the north, began enforcing fishing restrictions in their cod-rich waters. Fish to Grimsby may shrink to a trickle. What did you see happen in town when that happened? Gosh, it was a, a disaster, to be quite honest, because everybody was involved some way in fishing, like taxi drivers, the pubs, the dress shops and places like that, uh, they all suffered. You know, once the fishing sort of went, it all sort of died a death. Wind power has breathed new life into Grimsby. Offshore energy company Orsted says it's created over 500 jobs here and invested $11 billion in local wind farms. But there are plenty of people who worry the environmental impact of the wind turbines hasn't been sufficiently studied and others say the industry has not created the number of jobs they've promised. But the concern of these retired fishermen is more practical. We're not seeing benefits. Your electricity bill hasn't gone down? No, no, it's gone up, if anything. When they said about them, how, are we going to get cheap electricity and it's going to be, you know, green and everything? But I can't see any benefits, to be quite honest. But has your electricity bill gone down? Try double. <laughs> it's Doubled. There are people who said, yeah, we've got all these turbines, but our electricity bill hasn't gone down a cent. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a real challenge that. It's going to take time because we need to build more offshore wind. So you think if there's more offshore wind, prices could go down? Yeah, absolutely. Fearing the war in Ukraine could lead to blackouts this winter, the UK government announced more drilling for oil and gas in the North Sea. They will also speed up the time it takes for new offshore wind projects to get online. Ben Sykes told us that over the next eight years, Orsed plans to invest another $17 billion in wind farms and add more than 300 jobs in Grimsby.
you know, the fishing industry was fantastic for Grimsby. Mm. That, that era has passed. What we want to do is to be part of creating the next chapter of, of Grimsby's life and of the country's life as we build out. A chapter Bridie Salmon is very much a part of. So that's gone from Grimsby being the fishing town to the powerhouse of the north, which is an amazing transition. Proud of it? So proud of it. And to be a part of it, it's amazing. A town's future and fortune once again tied to the sea. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. His personality is flamboyant as his football talent. Deion Sanders had two nicknames during his Hall of Fame NFL career. He was Neon Deion in primetime. But for his latest gig, Sanders high-stepped it to Mississippi, and at age 55, he's now the head football coach at Jackson State, an historically black university, or HBCU. Sanders' salary of $500,000 is less than 5% of what, one state over, Alabama pays its coach Nick Saban. Yet Jackson State might be the hottest program in America, poaching talented recruits and winning games in equal measure. Powered by, yes, the style, but also the substance of the man who now calls himself Coach Prime. Fans, welcome your defending slack champion. Deion Sanders had never coached in college when he agreed two years ago to try and rescue Jackson State from football irrelevance. Why are you here? I truly believe with all my heart and soul that God called me collect. And I had to accept the charges. You accepted the charges. I had to accept the charges. But understanding when you accept those type of charges is going to cost you something. What's it cost you? A lot of sleep. But I can't say I don't love it. I love every darn minute of it. It doesn't hurt that his team is darn good. The Jackson State Tigers are blazing through their HBCU football opponents. 11-2 last season, undefeated so far this season. Watch the Tigers rack up points, led by Dion's son, quarterback Shadur Sanders, and you wonder how they'd fare against the football elites, the so-called Power Five schools. Switch! Sanders took the job at Jackson State three months after George Floyd's murder. Timing, he says, that was no coincidence. It was relevant because it's a lot of folks sit back on the with Twitter fingers and talk about what they're going to do, and, and I wanted to go do it. Do what? change lives, change the perspective of, of HBCU football, make everyone step up to the plate and do what's right by these kids. 
Ashley Robinson, Jackson State's athletic director, pursued rumors that Sanders might be interested in coaching and offered him a job. What's been the impact here at Jackson State since he's arrived? Coach Prime was the biggest hire in college football. I'm talking about Power 5 level. He's the biggest hire in college football. All of college football. All of college football. It's no, it's no other Deion Sanders. What's Deion Sanders worth to Jackson State? Ooh, I don't think I can put a number on it. I don't think it's enough zeros. I mean, he's worth a whole lot. The bump in attendance, buzz, and commerce is especially welcome in a city marked by poverty. Deprivation that can be glimpsed just on the other side of the fence from the JSU football facility. The program was depressed as well. Time was Jackson State produced four Hall of Fame NFL players, including running back Walter Payton. But when Sanders arrived, not one Jackson State player had been drafted in 12 years. What struck you about being here on this campus? The need. What kind of needs are you sensing here? You want to start in alphabetical order or in numerical? (laughs) (laughs) Sanders was immediately confronted with the economic realities of HBCUs and with the social cleavages of Mississippi. What were the facilities like? (laughs) Horrible. And, And I'm sitting up there thinking, even to this day, how can a public high school in Texas look better than a a college. Football facilities where you lived in Texas were better than this. School. Forget right. the darn football facility. The whole right. darn right. school. Right. That, that shouldn't be right. Jackson State's old practice field was so shabby, when it rained, the Tigers had to bus to a local high school. Coach Prime reached out not to a wealthy booster, but to Walmart, which built Jackson State a brand new practice field. Next, he had a new locker room built. The attention Sanders has brought to HBCU football has translated into a revenue spike for his league, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Dr. Charles McClelland is the conference commissioner. Did you expect him to have this kind of an impact on HBCUs when he came to Jackson State? I did not, and I often say this. I've been around stars before. Uh, This is the first time that I've been around a superstar, and I really did not realize What what do you mean by that? Well, you know, a superstar can enter any room, can enter any boardroom. Coach Prime is a business person. Coach Prime has opened up doors for the Southwestern Athletic Conference that we could not get into. Pepsi, American Airlines, Procter & Gamble, all are new sponsors of Jackson State or the conference. Call it the Prime Effect. But for all the flash, Sanders is defiantly old school, even by football standards. What other head coach brings his own lawnmower to the practice facility? I may tell you once, hey, you know that grass needs to be cut on Thursday, okay? Now, if you don't cut it, I'm going to go do it. That's that's you in a nutshell right there. I, I can't. It's unfathomable to me to understand that you don't want to do your job and you're getting compensated for. That's not the generation I came from. We don't have water, um, we don't, therefore we don't have ice. Which also much, unfathomable to Sanders, how the city of Jackson hasn't been able to provide clean water consistently, or sometimes any water at all. At one point, a documentary team caught him bathing out of necessity in a hotel swimming pool near the stadium. The water crisis here was a national story. Tell me specifically how that impacted your program these last few months. Forget our program, it impacted the whole darn city. I'm not into politics, but I am into people. And I feel as though our people should be taken care of a lot better. Just to be clear, in 
wealthier areas, they, they did all right with their water. I wonder if there isn't some parallels between HBCUs and uh, resources. Shoot, you, you know darn well there's a parallel with HBCUs and resources. Underserved and overlooked. What do you do about that? You're here. That's what I do about that. As if the water crisis weren't enough, last season, Sanders was hospitalized with life-threatening blood clots that had formed in his leg. Did you have any idea at the time how serious this was? No, not whatsoever. Sanders had to endure nine surgeries. Two of his toes were amputated. A chunk of his leg was removed. He spent 23 days in the hospital, and when he returned to his team, he needed help moving around. Everything's going good, man. Twice a day, his damaged leg is rubbed to get the blood flowing. A towering athlete in American sports, who once darted and dashed into the end zone, who played in two Super Bowls and one World Series. We didn't mention that? Yeah, he played Major League Baseball, too. That man may never run again. I had my turn. Now I'm helping someone else dominate theirs. Though Sanders now limps noticeably and struggles to stand for an entire practice, his ambition persists. Full speed by the ball. Do not stop until you hit his whistle. The entrenched college football powers are getting nervous. It's one thing for Sanders to recruit his sons, Shiloh, a defensive back, and Shadur, the star quarterback. Check me out, Mom. Throw me that hat. But heads really swiveled last winter when Travis Hunter, considered the top-ranked recruit in the country, switched his commitment to Jackson State from Florida State, where, ironically, Sanders starred in the 1980s. What changed your mind? Uh, Coach Brown, he just let me know how big of an impact I can have on the people, and that's one of the things I wanted to do. I wanted to shine a light on, on our people and shine a light on HBCUs. Our people, you mean? Yeah, African-Americans. What he was going to do was normal. It's been done. Big-time recruit going to a big-time school. But a big-time recruit chooses to go to Jackson State? Oh, that changes the trajectory of so many other kids. Now they're saying, hmm, if it's good enough for Travis to go there and play, it may be good enough for me. So that's a game-changing decision that he made for so many. Disruption. That's it. There is an undercurrent here. If the top recruits, who are predominantly African-American, get a taste of the full HBCU football experience in stadiums packed with people who look like them, it could be a powerful pull. Just listen to Shadur, Dion's son, immediately after a lopsided home win last month. Tens of thousands of fans, tailgate, band. What's it like playing a home game like this? Oh, man, it's amazing. You see all these people... It's just, it's real lovely, and just playing at home in Jackson, they needed us to pull through. HBCUs are starting to think big and dream big. You were a good high school football player. You I said a, you, you I, was, I was a great high school football player. You were a great high school football yeah. player. <laughs> you said you weren't, weren't considering HBCUs. And they never recruited me. That's why I never considered HBCUs. HBCUs just start recruiting the four- and five-star players just recently because they never thought they, they could get them. Now they believe. But can HBCUs compete with schools where players' lockers are designed like first-class airplane cabins and rehab facilities feature underwater treadmills? Kid gets hurt here, there's no hydrotherapy pool. No. You, you better get in the pool with a fan and that's about it. <laughs> that's how you do hydrotherapy <laughs> here. That's about it. Better put it with a little fan in there with a little battery. Hopefully you don't get electrocuted. <laughs> JSU's entire football budget is only $4 million. Ohio State, Alabama, 
15 times that. Yeah. And we came down to the final two, us in Alabama, for this big lineman that, that we almost had a few days ago. How's that make you feel? It makes me feel good because we were right there neck to neck with Alabama and we broke. <laughs> so, so what if? So you, what if? And I'm hoping a political figure or someone, some billionaire out there saying, you know what? I'm a bet on Prime, man. Let me go help that program because I just want to see what it would be like if he had the resources these other schools would have. The cinematic version of the story has Coach Prime sticking it out at Jackson State as the program grows on par with those of the Power Five. The reality, it may not be long before he takes his gold whistle to a school that doesn't need to beg for resources. What happens when a Power Five school says, give us a number, we'll make it work? I'm going to have to entertain it. You are? Yes, I'm going to have to entertain it. Straight up. I would be a fool not to. Sanders says he needs to look after his assistants, who are wildly underpaid by college football standards. What's up, babe? Sanders has ruled out one bigger leap. You don't want to coach in the NFL? Not one bit. Why not? It's hard for me to coach a person that makes a lot of money that does not truly love the game that blessed me. And I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> what are you going to jail for? Because I'm going to jump on somebody. <laughs> I will come out at halftime with half the team. It's that offensive we'll go, to you. We'll go in and half the team will come back out at halftime. Yeah. If you had a bunch of guys dogging it, it's that I offensive I do to you. It. I just challenge a walk-on. I say, dude, you're walk-on. You're supposed to be trying to get my attention. And you chilling? I said, you're going to be a walk-off if you do that one more time. <laughs> Not a walk-off. You're going to be a walk-off. What's the significance of winning to Deion Sanders? Let's just say Vince Lombardi never put it quite like this. I got to win in every facet of life. That's what winning is. And we, we that's our natural odor. We don't even use cologne. Baby, we are winning. We smell like winning around him. You know, when you saw us on the practice field, you, you walked and you, when we first met, you, you could feel that you shook the hand of a winner. You felt that. I know during what you had to call somebody and say, hey, man, I just met Coach Prime, baby. I, something about him. Something, something, he's magnetic. I'm going to win. But not only win, I'm going to dominate. That's what I do. That's who I am. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This past Monday, as Americans dealt with a growing financial crisis triggered by soaring interest rates, energy costs, and the war in Ukraine, Former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke was named winner of the Nobel Prize in Economics, a prize 
shared with two other American economists for their work in how societies deal with financial crises. By 2009, Bernanke was at the Fed, and the professor with a specialty in the Great Depression was in charge at the height of the Great Recession. Chairman Bernanke went about stabilizing the economy with low interest rates, bank bailouts, and other aggressive remedies. The lesson of history is that you do not get a sustained economic recovery as long as the financial system is in crisis. I'm Scott Pelley. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Are you a fan of 60 Minutes? You can represent the most watched series on television with shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and more at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code MINUTES20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 60 Minutes products with code MINUTES20 at ParamountShop.com.